Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Josh Kayser, who is the Managing Director of Tovi. Hi, Josh. Hi, Simon. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah, not bad at all. Good to be here. Good. We're glad you can join us. So I think today's going to be a really interesting conversation. We'll get into the background of Tovi, how it's he- helping organizations and kind of introduce you where people can find you for further conversation etc but before we do all of that let's find out a bit about Josh so tell us about yourself Josh what's your kind of career background how did you end up doing what you're doing today sure sure it was kind of a funny one to be honest because I, I actually uh, started out of university doing economics and um Decided I wanted, I got into my head, I wanted to be an investment banker. Went and did a few internships in Singapore and New York and very quickly realized it was not my cup of tea. And I was staring at uh, balance sheets all day was really not <laughs> what I had in mind for my life. So I uh, came out of uni, sort of didn't know what I wanted to do next, ended up going to do a master's in Edinburgh and uh, sort of started a course, which was, I think it was like applied entrepreneurship. And uh, one, one of the modules within the course was, you know, focused around creating a business plan and, you know, to do something trivial when you start out. And uh, I sort of took it to too far in a, in a sense and ended up uh, building my first startup off the back of that, which was a platform for women to create their own shoes. So we had sort of like this online, um, you know, CAD style drag and drop system. And then we we had a factory in China that would build them. So I basically, you know, did that for a while, um, didn't work out, learned a lot from it, started a few other things and then ended up moving um, to the UK in the mid 2010s. Um, and uh, uh, specifically London ended up in consulting and very quickly realized that this AI piece, I think this was about the time that Facebook Messenger just opened up their API. And, uh, you know, I sort of realized that this bot thing could be could be massive, uh, ended up investing a little bit of resource and time into it, got a few, few of my colleagues involved, and we ended up building an accelerator platform that was fairly successful. We sold that to a few different, uh, you know, large enterprise clients in the financial services space. Um, and then I basically ended up moving across to a few different firms, sort of rinsing and repeating and, and building out my expertise and uh, then joined Tovi towards, uh, I think it was October 2021. Yeah, so just as we were coming out of the pandemic. Excellent. So you've seen the world, decided some things weren't for you, tried some other things, built the kind of um, knowledge bank with the education piece and then arrived at Tovi. So for those that might not know what you guys do there do you want to give us a bit of information about the company and if we I suppose focus on retail primarily how you're helping retailers at the moment sure so uh, so Toby AI basically I would call it as a conversational AI company and if for people that are not familiar with the term conversational AI essentially it's technologies that sell that help sort of emulate or replace uh, tasks that would tr- traditionally require a human to have a conversation um, so very much focused around things like, uh, you know, automating contact centers, automating customer service, first line support. Uh, but, you know, actually, funny enough, the industry is actually moving towards 
applications that are you know driving revenue as well so it's not just about how do we cut costs in business but how do we create new experiences and uh you know new opportunities using this type of technology and uh, basically what we have is sort of two layers we have what we call our conversational cloud so it's a SaaS platform where we have a variety of different technologies that sit on that platform across uh, you know sort of across the entire conversational ai spectrum and that will be everything from like speech to text and text to speech technologies to sort of you know low code bot abstraction engines natural language processing modules um, and then on top of that, we sort of have a second layer, which is professional services, whereby, you know, we work with clients using our own proprietary technology to help build actual solutions that solve real world problems. So as opposed to just giving a customer technology and letting them figure it out themselves, which in some cases they do, but more often than not, we work with them to figure out, you know, okay, what's an interesting problem? How, how do we use the technology to solve it? And then we work with them to build that out, if that makes sense. Yeah, so the kind of thing when I'm going on a website and it pops up in the, the bottom right or we've got the speech bubbles, it says... That's, how that's can I right, help? yeah. Yeah, that's right. That could be one application of it. But, uh, you know, we do a lot of stuff with voice as well. So, you know, telephony-based channels. In fact, we even have, uh, you call them bots or robots, chatbots, virtual assistants, uh, you know, whichever flavor you like, that actually reach out to customers proactively as well via the phone, depending on markets that allow it. Um there's, we do omni-channel as well, so any sort of uh, you know live chat or you know chat interaction platform that has APIs that allow us to hook into it, we can facilitate um, interactions through that. So you know we do a lot of stuff with WhatsApp, uh, Facebook Messenger. Funnily enough, used to be sort of the the big hitter, but it's sort of dropped in terms of usefulness as a platform. Um, you know, and even some you know like uh, you know Southeast Asian and Asian markets. They have platforms like WeChat as well, which are particularly popular. So basically any chat-based platform or any interface that you would traditionally use to have a conversation with somebody, we can run an automation on top of that. Amazing. And and that's kind of the online part, but how are you kind of blending that with the physical retail? How are you getting involved there? Yeah, so this is a really interesting proposition that we've been sort of in the process of bringing to market over the past year. And, uh, you know, funny enough, I'll give you a little bit of a backstory as to the idea and where, and where it came from. So um, the, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Curry's Piece at World. I, they've, I think they've rebranded to just Curry's now. But for those of the audience that perhaps uh, are not aware of them, they're a large uh, uh, retail chain in, in the UK. They have, uh, I think, um, they have an online presence, of course, but they have you know, these large superstores and predominantly they sell things like electronics and, you know, home equipment like uh, fridges and uh, washing machines and things and things like that. So, uh, you know, I, 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 there was one where I used to live close by and I'd frequent it on occasion, you know, if I'm looking to buy something in particular. Um, you know, it was very frustrating for me because I was going in with the intention of spending a significant chunk of change. You know, if I'm buying a new fridge or something, you know, it could be a thousand, two thousand pounds worth of money I'm willing to spend on a product here. You know, and I'm going into the store because I'm expecting that I'm going to be able to at least have a conversation with, you know, a trained salesperson. Or, you know, I'm not looking at it as a salesperson. I'm looking at it as a trained person who knows about the product and can educate me on it, answer my questions so that I can at least walk away with a purchase decision that I'm comfortable and confident about. And uh, very often I'd walk into the store and, uh, you know, try to 
find somebody to actually help me and find that either they were severely understaffed or the staff were poorly trained, um, you know, and uh, more often than not, what ended up happening is I would look at the product and then I would go home and find a different retailer online and just buy it from them. So what we've tried to do is, is sort of take that experience, which I think is something that is not just unique to me. And, uh, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, you know, end customers that are doing physical retail shopping probably experience. Uh, you know, and how do we augment it and provide value for the customer, but also for the business? Okay, um, and so what we've what we've tried to do is essentially take that that role that would traditionally be held by a person in store, and how do we provide sort of a digital technology overlay that allows customers to do things like self service and self discovery themselves using chatbots. You know, and an interesting application of this is using like interaction touch points like QR codes or NFC tags. Right, like you might have an NFC tag, um, and for people who are not familiar with NFC, it stands for near field communication. Um, you know, it's similar to what you would do if you were going down the tube. You tap your phone to pay, um, and uh, you you're, you can interact with these QR codes and NFC tags. And what will end up happening is you will inter- we end up bringing up a virtual assistant. And the experience of this virtual assistant can vary depending on the customer and what they're trying to do. But fundamentally, this virtual assistant will be trained on a specific product, i.e. the specific product that you're interested in interacting with. So if we go back to the example of the fridge that I was talking about previously, you know, it's things like, well, if I'm buying a fridge, I want to know, you know, what kind of power consumption does it have? Like, will it fit? Like, what other dimensions will it fit in my in my um, in my in my flat or my house? Um, you know, what kind of finance options are you giving me? It's a large purchase. Like, are there are finance options around it? Like, are there other colors? Uh, you know, uh, is there a warranty on it if, if things go wrong? So all these different types of questions which you would expect to have with a, with a real interact with an interaction with a real person, we try to augment uh, with these types of virtual assistants. Um, because there is value to the to the physical shopping experience. This is why retailers that still have all this, you know, large uh, real estate space continue to c- continue to invest and keep some of them. Although we have seen that shrinking, is because it, there is value to going out, touching and feeling the product, and you know, seeing what it looks like in real life. We haven't really got there yet with e-commerce, although there are some interesting applications in VR and AR uh, that sort of trying to bridge that gap. Um, so what we're trying to do is saying, right, okay, there is value to this experience, but how do we, you know, how we supplement that and provide all the benefits that you would get from, say, an online experience combined with that physical touch and feel that you can get from actually, you know, going and looking at the product. And you know, similarly as well, from the perspective of the business, what's interesting is that you can then start to use you know, strategies that you would normally apply, you know, if you were an actual salesperson or which have been available, say, through traditional uh, e-commerce routes. So things like creating urgency with the customer. You know, if you've only got one of these fridges in stock, you know, it might be a, you know, a good, a good, um, a good uh, idea or strat- commercial strategy to tell that to the customer, you know, so we can hook into those APIs, you know, and let the customer know actually, um, you know, there's only one of these fridges left in stock. You better act now. Um, otherwise, you know, that fridge might be gone, right? So creating that urgency or things like social proof as well. You know, I've had three people ask me this same question today. Um, you know, perhaps given the given the lack of stock and the interest, right, the 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 demand, the demand and supply sort of uh, separation here, it might be in your interest to act now if this is something of interest. Um, and then even going further as well, so doing things like cross-selling and upselling. So this it sort of moves the tool away purely from 
um, you know, just augmenting or uh, your, your your sales um, personnel's capability to it actually becoming a salesperson for you, right? And uh, you know, suggesting actually, I think you know, given the conversation we've had around the parameters that you're looking for with respect to the product, perhaps this other product is better suited, right? As a good salesperson would do. So I realize I rambled on a little bit there, but hopefully that gives you a flavor. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So it, I think the, my key takeouts for that are clearly it can supplement workforce, which is going to be a massive advantage in, I think, the coming months where economic climate's tough, mm-hmm. um, people are really struggling to recruit and retain, which it gives you some capability and, and opportunity. It's, uh, I suppose, my leisure. So as my journey browsing around the store, but also fulfills the brand journey of here are the add-ons. Like you say, we've only got one left. This is the next model up and the benefits and features are. So there's, I can see a potential upsell opportunity as well, which sometimes may get missed by humans. It's just fact of life. That's very true, you know, and and the ability to hook into many different data sources in semi-real time and do that, you know, allows allows these bots to sort of have you know more predictable trajectories in terms of what they're offering customers say say a human being would have which they all you know people forget things it's part of being human i think you know one of the pieces that you just hit on as well which i think is particularly interesting is you know the at your leisure piece um so we're living in a in a world that's sort of increasingly more conscious about things like mental health um and things like anxiety um uh you know i had a previous partner who who had lot of issues around you know anxiety and things like that and interacting with people in a social setting sometimes um so there's actually an interesting use of this technology uh, with respect to say products for example that might um you know uh in um start that kind of anxiety so things in the pharmaceutical space obviously we've talked about you know curries as, a, as an example and a use case here but you know i think the the technology and the use case sort of like sit wider than that so for example if you might imagine going into the boots pharmacy um you know and you're looking at certain products um that maybe like female hygiene products or products to do with i don't know stds or something that's embarrassing has a certain level of embarrassment or that you don't want to interact with a person about um, you know, this technology is a nice supplementer because it allows you to get the information that you need within reason. Of course, there are certain rules that we have to follow when we're talking about, you know, giving out medical advice and things like that. Um, but it allows you to, again, you know, sort of circumvent having to speak to that person, but still get the value of the physical shopping experience and all the information that you need to make, you know, that informed purchase decision. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And Talk to me about the kind of the, the barriers. So people will say, yeah, but it's not a human and I don't like speaking to machines and what data is it processing from me and all that kind of stuff. So what what typical barriers do people have when they're starting to enter the world of AI, chatbots, yeah, uh, yeah. all that kind of stuff? No, it's a really good point. And it's, uh, you know, we're, we are nowhere near, uh, you know, being at a, at a place yet, at least with this technology in production and commercially available to most businesses where it's going to fully replace, you know, human experiences and uh, nor where, where it might convince the vast majority of people, you know, that it is, um, that it is a human being or as opposed to, you know, a, a computer system. Um, and, and in fact, in some, in some markets, like for example, in the U S I think there are laws that prohibitly, you know, that, that specifically prohibit you from, from being able to sort of, you know, at, 
if you like, um, trick the customer into believing that the, the robot is in fact a human being. Um, I think the key, the key to the to that sort of problem uh, is around managing expectations and being clear and honest with the customer. So, big part of you know conversational AI is something we call conversation design. Um, these systems, although great at automating you know specific problem spaces, they still have to be handcrafted to a certain degree at the moment. Um, and that handcrafting is all about crafting a. Uh, you know, a really compelling user experience that takes into account the situation, the customer's expectations, um, and tries to manage that with like cleverly worded copy and uh, sort of trying to preempt a little bit how somebody might interact in that particular situation. So being very open uh, with the customer about the limitations of the of what, what they're dealing with, like what it's scoped to, what it's capable of, um, and also giving customers a way out if they don't want to interact with it, right? So um, these interaction points, you know, I mentioned QR codes and NFC tags with, with respect to this specific use case, um, you know, th those are those are pieces of advertisement interaction points which the business can basically put out and the customer interacts with at will. So they are not being forced into this um, into this experience. It's something that they choose to partake into. And as part of the actual experience, if we go back to the fridge example, right, the, the job of that bot is to educate the customer immediately before they start interacting with the bot, that that bot is specifically trained to help you with that fridge and nothing else, right? And give you context about what it what it's trained to help you with. Similarly, if I were to go and speak to a person that may be lacking knowledge in some areas, um, and we are about to embark in, say, a very open conversation, they might choose to warn me beforehand and not you know, waste their time on certain aspects that they might not be trained on, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I like that in terms of being upfront about what the use is, what the expertise is to really, really clarify that the purpose rather than it being a, I suppose, a, an open text box that people are typing into or speaking to and it going off at tangents or decision trees that it's not trained to do. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that kind of leads me on to, I suppose, the next point of, is this is it the kind of thing that you need to start simple with? And then build complexity or do you jump in at the complex end to simplify it from a, a user's point of view? What's the typical journey that your customers will take? Um, I mean, it really depends uh, what you're trying to achieve, you know, and what your KPIs are that you're looking to track at, at the outset. But I would say it's always better to start simple. Um, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, although maybe we talk a lot about it, we don't practice it as much as we should as an industry. But we talk a lot about minimal viable products, you know, about ba basically building the minimum slice of something that you can go out and really test with a customer um, you know get real world feedback on and then build on top of it so it's definitely better to start at the lower end um, piece and basically build out from that um, so my advice would always be to start with providing first and foremost value to the customer right before you start to maybe leverage some of the commercial strategies um, that we've talked about you know in terms of the upsell and the cross sell and the um social proof and creating urgency and so on. Um, because what you want to do is you want to create a utility for the customer that keeps them coming back and using the service, right? Because they find usefulness in it. And then you can start to layer on the additional pieces of value that might drive value more for the business as opposed to for the customer itself, right? But if you get the customer hooked in and they're getting the information they need, because at the end of the day, 
a client doesn't really care about necessarily they want a they want a good user experience in most things they do in life but they don't really care about the medium by which they achieve that to a certain degree what they're more bothered about is getting their problem solved so if i'm looking to go buy that fridge i care about you know how you know is it going to fit in my closet and can i you know what's the warranty on it if things go wrong how i get that information might be largely irrelevant so what you want to do is just make that experience as compelling as possible so that with that, with as you know, few barriers as possible, so that they then find, oh, you know what, that was really useful. Next time I come back to the store and I'm interested in buying a washing machine, I might do the same thing as opposed to going hunting down a salesperson to get that input. Brilliant. No, that makes complete sense as well. So I think we've had a, a really interesting conversation. If people want to find out more, Josh, about you, about how they can kind of get on the journey discuss requirements where's the best place for them to do that sure sure i mean obviously we're always interested in talking to customers about commercial uh, you know opportunities but we're also interested in just having general discussions you know meeting other people in the industry that are doing interesting things um uh, you can find us at tovi.ai it's our it's our website we've got a few use cases on there as well so you can see you know some of the stuff we've done um with uh, our clients but we as i mentioned at the beginning of this conversation as well you know this solution layer that sits on top of our technology is just one aspect of what we do because we think like as a good market differentiator we want to go to customers with real world applications of the technology as opposed to just giving them a platform and letting them run for free, you know run uh, you know unguided perhaps when they lack a little bit of expertise in the space uh, but if you want to use our technology platform as well uh, you know there's a free trial and you guys can you know easily sign up and and test out and we have some really interesting uh, technologies uh, one of which is a little bit of tangential to this but is actually uh, a platform to allow you to create to train custom voice models so you can create uh, text-to-speech models that basically sound like yourself or a, you know a caricature of something so we have some really interesting tech and i encourage anyone who is interested to go out and try brilliant so lots of lots of innovation lots of uh, moving things forward and i say i think quite timely in a world where people are really struggling to recruit and retrain people and uh, retain people even and how that plays into blending that physical colleague physical store with the whole online stroke digital way of of interacting so uh, really timely josh really timely so final question for me just to wrap up then what's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given oof i hate hate these questions i always put you on the (laughs) Get some good uh, answers. They're doing it that way. I tell you what, my father gave me a very good one. Um, you know, my dad was big, big, big business, big businessman in his time, and uh, you know, a lot of what I learned about business, I learned from him. Funnily enough, and less, less from my degrees and uh, and uh, my time in investment banking. Um, it's certainly build and keep your networks. I think um, you know, given given the change that the world's gone through in the last two years with respect to to COVID. Um, I think there's some great benefits that have come out of remote working. And in fact, most of us at Tovi are all sort of spread across the world and we've, you know, we, 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 we remote work for the, for the most part. Um, but yeah, I, my concern is for the younger generation that are just coming out of university. Networks are invaluable um, in building, you know, long-term commercial pipelines with people because at the end of the day, people like to do business with people they like. People like to buy products and services from people they like and that they've, 
you know, met before and, and have built trust with. And, uh, you know, a lot of us, I'm going to call myself an old timer, even though I'm only 31, <laughs> as old timers, um, you know, we've already gone through that process of building our networks. And now we get to reap the benefits a little bit of this, uh, you know, remote working aspect. Uh, but, you know, for, for the young people that are coming up, young, young guys and girls that are coming up from university or just going into their first job, try and build those networks as much as possible because they will pay dividends in the long term. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And certainly places like retail or a small world, it's amazing the amount of people that you meet early in your career at a certain level that you then see later in your career that have had a big influence or can even exactly. help you get to the next level. So yeah, wise words from uh, from your father there, Josh. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, it's been a pleasure to chat. We'll put the link to the website and your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. But until we speak next, Josh, take care and thanks for coming on. Thanks very much for having me, Simon. Really appreciate it. It was great having a chat.